0: From the Financial Times in London, I'm Sarah Neville, Global Pharmaceuticals Editor, and this is FT News. Attitudes towards dementia in the medical community have changed radically over the past 40 years, and scientists are working hard to find a treatment or cure. But has the way society treats those living with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia undergone a similar shift and what more needs to be done to help those with the condition continue to lead fulfilling lives. One really encouraging example of bringing people living with dementia into the community is what's happening at West Yorkshire Playhouse in Leeds, which has pioneered dementia-friendly theatre. With me on the line to discuss this, I have Nikki Taylor, who leads this work at the Playhouse, Wendy Mitchell, who is living with dementia and writes a regular blog on the subject, and Matthew Norton, Head of Policy at Alzheimer's Research UK. Nikki, tell me how you first got the idea for Dementia Friendly Theatre.
1: Well, it emerged out of work that I was doing at the Playhouse to engage with people over the age of 55 in the creative arts. And what was worrying me was that once people were starting to notice changes relating to memory loss or dementia, people stopped attending. And that was worrying because obviously it's something that had enriched their lives for a good many years. And we wanted to keep that going because if anything, it becomes more important to get creative stimulation when you're experiencing such a challenging condition. So we started looking at ways in which we could adapt what we did to continue to welcome people after a diagnosis of dementia. And that was creative activities, weekly sessions where people would come together and enjoy the creative arts, but also that thrill of going to see a show that people have spent their lives enjoying. We wanted to make sure that that could continue. So really it was about looking at why might people with dementia find a theatre experience difficult and the best way to find that out is to ask people with dementia so we gathered a group of people with dementia to consult with us on aspects of the experience of arriving at the theatre, getting tickets, being served at the cafe, right the way through to taking seats in the auditorium and the presentation of the show.
0: So these are productions which you're also doing for the regular West Yorkshire Playhouse audience.
1: Yes, these are mainstream productions that are part of our programme. And what we're doing is trying to make that programme as accessible as possible for as long as possible by adapting aspects to make a dementia-friendly performance. You know, there's some fantastic work going out where theatre companies are making work specifically for audiences living with dementia that might tour into care homes But we also know that the majority of people living with dementia are living in the community, in their own homes, and still want to access cultural experiences within their city. And we're reaching out to those people, really, to say you can still have a culturally engaged life with dementia.
0: What kind of responses have you had from people living with dementia themselves and also those caring for them?
1: We've had some incredible responses from people who've said that they thought they wouldn't ever be able to come to the theatre again and are now regularly attending again. There was one lady who explained that her mother-in-law had come along to the show and she has very poor short-term memory now, but her mood was lifted for two days after the performance because of the joy and fun that she'd had whilst she was here. And she may not have remembered the show exactly, but she remembered that they'd had a really positive time as a family.
0: Do you think dementia-friendly theatre can lead to wider changes in attitudes towards people living with dementia?
1: I absolutely think that. I think that one of the key aspects of our dementia-friendly theatre is that it has destigmatised the experience of dementia. It was something we were worried about, whether people would opt in initially to a dementia-friendly performance. Would people want to be labelled as having dementia? Would they turn up? because a lot of people don't disclose their diagnosis to others. And the fact that we're now getting many hundreds of people coming to our dementia-friendly performances, building this community of support that recognises the need to engage people in creativity for as long as possible, I think that that opens up other conversations, other routes for people to engage in their communities.
0: That's fantastic. And is anybody else doing what you're doing? I mean, you mentioned touring performances in care homes, We were the
1: first theatre to introduce dementia-friendly performances and we very quickly had a huge amount of interest from other theatres. The interest that we had led us to produce kind of a best practice guide of how to put on these performances, what sorts of adaptations need to be made, the ethos around engaging people living with dementia as consultants and advisors in the whole process, So the guide now is out there for free on our website and we've been told that it's a really useful tool for people who are just starting out in this endeavour.
0: And I know now you're embarking on a a slightly different venture, which you're calling the Every Third Minute Festival, because every third minute someone starts living with dementia. Whose stories are going to get heard through that programme?
1: Every Third Minute is a festival that is curated by people living with dementia. And this is a really natural next step for us at West Yorkshire Playhouse because having put people with dementia in a central position in consulting on dementia-friendly theatre performances, we know how much people have to offer in being creative, in advising us, primarily theatre that's made about dementia is made by people who are not living with dementia and that means that we hear a lot of stories about caring for grieving for rather than living with and I think the crucial angle that this festival is looking at is what is it like to live with dementia the stories of living with dementia are entirely different and can only be told by people who actually are diagnosed with the condition.
0: Thanks very much Nikki. Wendy That's a good moment to turn to you because you are living with dementia and you write a regular blog called Which Me Am I Today? Why did you start it? And perhaps you could say a bit about why you chose that title.
2: Well, I started writing my blog soon after I was diagnosed as I I wanted to record all the, the wonderful opportunities that came my way that I didn't want to forget but it it soon became apparent that other people found my ramblings of interest as well. The the reason why I chose the title is because you never know what sort of day you're going to have, whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. So the Which Me Am I Today seemed a a natural title for me to, to
0: choose. Can I ask a bit about how the condition affects you?
2: It's important to remember that, that dementia isn't just about memory. as So many of our other senses are affected as well. Memory is often the first thing we notice, but like in myself, noise is a particular problem. Finding your way around um, m- movement. I had a wobble now which I, I never had before and taste seeing, hearing, so many of our other senses are affected as well. So it's, it's important to remember that it's, it's not just about memory.
0: And how have people's attitudes to you changed since your diagnosis? Do you notice people treating you differently?
2: Oh, cer- certainly in the beginning, because when people think of dementia, they often think purely of the end stages. But it has to have a beginning and a middle. So people, when I was diagnosed, they immediately wrote me off because they associated it with being in the end stages and not capable of anything anymore. So people stopped contacting me, stopped writing to me, simply because they didn't know what to say and they didn't know that I was still capable of speaking and of having thoughts. And that was another reason I started writing my blog, because it showed people that I could still articulate my feelings. And all the things that I was still doing, people often focus on what you can't do, whereas I always focus on what I can do.
0: And in fact, quite a lot of new opportunities have come your way. I think you've been working within the health service, haven't you, Mm. to educate people about what it's like to live with dementia.
2: That's right. Students are my big passion because they're the very people that can change people's attitude to dementia in the future. So every year I speak to first-year student nurses at York University, And I continue to support them throughout their course. I often get emails from them asking for me to have a look at an assignment they've done or something like that and just to clarify things because they want to get it right. So little is known within their healthcare profession. And unless they actually talk to people with dementia, they won't understand the reality. They'll only know what's written in books and academia. Uh, So to actually hear someone's real experience opens their eyes to things that they hadn't been made aware of in their training.
0: What did you do before you retired, Wendy? Oh,
2: I worked in the NHS for 20 years. I used to train sisters and matrons how to manage and roster their staff.
0: So now you're using that same yes, approach using except now in a different way. What change would make the biggest difference to you in being able to continue leading a good life?
2: Well, if people looked at the positive me rather than the sadness of me having dementia that would help enormously because a diagnosis is often thought of as the end but if you look at it as the start of a different life a life of adapting then that makes it easier to cope with and after all there's no point on dwelling on the future as we have no control over how dementia will affect us but why dwell on something over which you have no control so instead make the most of today and your life can Still be full of adventures and laughter if you don't allow dementia to win, and if those around you don't allow dementia to simply focus on
0: dementia. You, of course, are an enthusiastic attender at the Playhouse's dementia friendly productions, I gather. Um, Were you always an enthusiastic theatre goer?
2: Well, I'd always love to go to shows and just be part of that experience. I I might not be able to follow a storyline anymore but I can I love the enjoyment of the experience of coming to the theatre it's a wonderful thing to do and very exciting and leaves you on a high which is good for anybody's
0: well-being and I understand that you've now been employed as a paid consultant on a forthcoming Playhouse production could you say a bit about that and what your contribution is
2: Well, it's on the the UK premiere of Still Alice in the theatre. It's about a professor in her 50s who was diagnosed with young onset and her her journey through her life with her family and work through to the end stages. And I've been asked to work with the actors playing Still Alice to be a, a person for them to ask questions and to ensure that they're not doing anything that, wouldn't happen because after all you know how do they know they're acting the part well unless they ask someone with dementia for um, advice.
0: You're making sure it's authentic.
2: Yes the authenticity.
0: Um, Thank you so much. Matthew can I bring you in here we've been talking quite a lot in this podcast about living with dementia could you say a bit about why that phrase itself is important.
3: Yes, it's a relatively new phrase. It's come about primarily because people with the condition, their carers, wanted to express the idea that it is possible, of course, to actively contribute to society while living with dementia. And this has been seen through Dementia Friends and the Dementia Friendly Communities initiatives. We've seen initiatives in banks. I know many of the high street banks, for example, are becoming very good at helping to support people with dementia. Signs of dementia or certainly financial vulnerability are being spotted by banks. And in fact, I had an experience of that with my own grandfather quite recently, where the bank was one of the first organisations to contact my family in terms of some concerns they had about my grandfather managing his finances. It's also a very interesting phrase in another respect, in the sense that the hallmarks of the diseases that cause dementia probably start to take place in the body maybe 10, 15, even 20 years before the symptoms emerge.
0: So many of us may be living with dementia and not even knowing it.
3: Yes. Now, Alzheimer's disease, we think, is probably caused by a number of different processes in the brain. So the main ones being the build-up of certain proteins, so a protein called amyloid beta and a protein called tau. And these two proteins probably work in a kind of cascade, so one precipitates the formation of the other, and that begins to cause brain degeneration. We're still working to fully understand what all of those disease processes are, But what we do know from recent research is that there are ways in which some people within the population can probably reduce their risk of developing dementia, broadly by taking the same action as you would take, again, cardiovascular risk. So what's good for your heart is is good for your head. And we also know that there's probably something in brain resilience as well. So being more educated, therefore probably using your brain throughout your life, probably also has a role in helping to reduce your risk of developing dementia.
0: The kind of work that's going on at the West Yorkshire Playhouse, can that have a really positive physiological
3: effect? I think that's crucially important. We know as a risk factor, lack of stimulation, but also loneliness and and isolation can play a role in cognitive decline. So anything that gets you interacting with society and with individuals and also doing things that you enjoy that make you happy Those types of things are probably having a protective effect, we think, on your risk of developing dementia. But not only that, while you're living with the condition, if you go on to develop the dementia, they're allowing you to integrate into society to continue to live well with dementia and enjoy your life.
0: So looking, you know, 10 years or so in the future, what changes would you like to have taken place
3: At Alzheimer's Research UK, we think there's a a long way to go in terms of the public's understanding of dementia and how that then relates to the way in which people living with dementia uh, are treated in society. We're very keen to confront those misconceptions. From work we've done polling the, the general public... We know that only 23% of people identify dementia as being caused by brain diseases. And for us, that's fundamentally important, because that starts to rewrite the narrative, if you like, around what dementia is. It's caused by disease, it's not something that just happens to you as you get old. And I think if we can begin to change that narrative, we then start to remove stigma.
0: Thank you very much, everybody. If you'd like to read more of our coverage of our Seasonal Appeal for Alzheimer's Research UK, go to ft.com forward slash FT Appeal. And for those who'd like to contribute, we'll add a link to this podcast.